Hello, and welcome to this special edition of MLB Morning Coffee. This is your host, Greg Moraz, coming to you from the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. Because Major League Baseball is on hold due to the coronavirus, and there's really not a whole lot of news to report other than injuries, we've decided to go into a 30-part series. What 30-part series might you ask? Well, a 30-part series that gives the top 10 players of every Major League Baseball franchise. The next team in our series is the Toronto Blue Jays. The Blue Jays reached the pinnacle of their success in the early 90s, winning World Series in back-to-back years, 1992 and 1993. The Blue Jays were founded in 1977 and won their first AL East title in 1985. They won the East in 89, 91, 92, and 93 but did not make the playoffs again until 2015 when behind MVP Josh Donaldson and an emphatic Jose Bautista home run, they reached the AL Championship Series, only to lose to the Kansas City Royals. The Blue Jays then won the wild card in 2016 and beat the Orioles in an epic wild card game highlighted by an Edwin Encarnacion walk-off homer in the 11th inning. The Blue Jays have had some superstars over their years, but they haven't necessarily translated to a lot of team success. But given the successes of the 90s, the successes of recent, and some iconic players in between, here are the top 10 Toronto Blue Jays of all time. Number 10 on our list is the recently passed Tony Fernandez. Fernandez played 12 of his 17 seasons in the big leagues and had four separate stints with the Blue Jays. He began his career in Toronto in 1983 and reached the pinnacle of his success in 1986. He made three all-star teams from 86 to 89 and won the gold glove in four consecutive seasons. His 1986 season saw him hit 310 with a 338 on on-base percentage. He led the league in games played with 163 and at-bats with 687. Fernandez hit 10 homers, drove in 65 runs, had 33 doubles to go along with 9 triples. The next season, he made the All-Star team, finished 8th in the MVP voting, hit 322 with a 379 on on-base percentage. He only hit five homers, but he drove in 67 runs and won another gold glove. In 1988, he played in 154 games, hit 287 with a 335 on base, only hit five homers again, but drove in a career-high 70 runs, so he set new career highs in RBI in three straight seasons, winning another gold glove. In 1989, he made his third All-Star team with the Blue Jays. He only hit 257, but he drove in 64 runs and hit a career high that still is that to this day, 11 homers. Fernandez in 1990 led the league with 17 triples. He did not make the All-Star team and was traded to the Padres after the 1990 season. He came back to the Blue Jays in the middle of the 93 season to help them win their second World Series, but left for Cincinnati to start 1994. He came back to the Blue Jays once again in 1998 and made his fifth and final All-Star team in 1999, where he hit 328 over 142 games with six homers and a career-high 75 RBI. That was the most he had in any year of his career. He did not play in the big leagues in 2000, but came back to the Blue Jays midseason in 2001 after starting the year with the Milwaukee Brewers. Fernandez finished with a career batting average of 288 over his 17 big league years, but in the 12 years that he played with the Blue Jays, he had a career 297 with 60 of his 94 career homers. 
Fernandez was a fantastic defensive shortstop, could play all over the diamond, and left us far too soon, dying at the age of 57. While Fernandez was only a small part of the 1993 World Series team, he'll be remembered as a career Blue Jay, despite not playing all of his career in Toronto. Number nine on our list is Tom Henke. The all-time leader in saves for the Blue Jays with 217, Henke compiled a career 311 saves over 14 seasons in the big leagues, eight of them with the Blue Jays. He started his career with the Rangers in 1982, but came to Toronto in 1985. He posted a 2.03 ERA over 28 games in his debut season with the Jays, but came onto the scene in a big way in 1987. He made his first all-star team and led the American League with 34 saves. He pitched in 72 games and went 94 innings, striking out 128 batters, which is well over 10 Ks per nine innings. In 1988, he followed that up with a 25-save season, posting a 291 ERA. In 1989, he had his best year in terms of ERA with the Blue Jays, having a 192 ERA over 64 games, 89 total innings, and had eight wins and three losses. It's also worth noting that in 1986, Henke also had nine wins. In 1990, he had a 217 ERA in 74 and two-thirds innings of work, saving 32 games. In 1991, he had 32 saves, going 0-2, but having a 232 ERA. In the Blue Jays' World Series winning year of 1992, he had 34 saves, tying at that time his career high, which he set back in 1987, pitching in 57 games and posting a 226 ERA. He had his career high in saves in 1993 with the Texas Rangers after he departed the Blue Jays. He pitched for the Rangers in 94 and then finished his career with the Cardinals in 1995 where he made his second and final All-Star team. Known as the Terminator, he is the best closer in Blue Jays history, teaming up with Dwayne Ward to make one of the best 8-9 inning combos in all of the early 90s. Tom Hankey, number 9 on our all-time Toronto Blue Jays list. Unlike our previous top 10 episodes that I do by myself, I am actually going to include an honorable mention for this one. And the two honorable mentions that I want to put in there are Roger Clemens and Paul Molitor. Now, they had elite stats while they were playing for the Blue Jays, but neither of them played long enough to qualify for this list. Let's start with the Rocket. Clemens played two years with the Blue Jays in 1997 and 1998 before he was acquired by the Yankees in 1999. In 97, he won the Cy Young Award, going 21-7 with a 2.05 ERA, leading the American League in ERA and leading the bigs in wins and innings pitched with 264. Clemens struck out 292 batters that season, which was a career high at that time and remained a career high till the end of his career. In 98, he won the Cy Young again, going 20-6 with a 2.65 ERA over 232 innings of work. Because he only played for two years and the Blue Jays didn't win anything, that's why he's only an honorable mention. And Clemens will be more known as a Red Sox and a Yankee than he ever will be known as a Blue Jay. Now let's go to Paul Molitor, who only spent two years with the Blue Jays as well. Although he did play a significant part in the Blue Jays' victory in the 1993 World Series. He finished second in the MVP voting that season and won the Silver Slugger Award. Finishing second in the MVP voting is the highest he ever finished in a single season. 
Molitor in that 1993 season hit 332 with a 402 on base. He had 22 homers and 111 RBI. The 22 bombs were a career high, and the 111 RBI were a career high at the time until he eclipsed that with 113 while playing for the Twins in 1996. In 1994, he made his seventh and final All-Star team, hitting 341, which was a career high for him and remained that until the end of his career. He spent 1995 with the Blue Jays, but only hit 270 before moving on to the Twins in 1996. They are honorable mentions because they were elite while they were Blue Jays, but they just weren't Blue Jays for that long. Now, on to number eight. Number eight on our list is Edwin Encarnacion. Encarnacion played for the Reds, Blue Jays, Indians, Mariners, Yankees, and now the White Sox, but his most significant impact came as a member of the Blue Jays. Joining Toronto in 2010, he hit 21 homers in just 96 games. Encarnacion's breakout year came in 2012, where he hit 42 homers and drove in 110 runs over 151 games, hitting 280 with a whopping 384 on base percentage, finishing 11th in the MVP voting. He made his first All Star team in 2013, hitting 272, but bashed 36 homers and drove in 104 runs. The next year, he made the All-Star team again, hitting 34 homers while driving in 98 runs. In 2015, he finished 12th in the MVP voting, did not make the All-Star team, but still hit 39 homers and drove in 111 runs. His best season by far in terms of his power numbers came in 2016, when he hit 42 homers, drove in a league-high 127 RBI, made the All-Star team, and finished 14th in the MVP voting. Encarnacion left the Blue Jays after the 2016 season, signing a three-year deal with the Cleveland Indians. But Encarnacion was critical in the Blue Jays reaching the playoffs in 2015 and 2016 and provided one of the more dramatic playoff moments in recent history. Fly ball deep left field. Yes, sir, the Blue Jays are going to Texas. Edwin Encarnacion has won it for the Blue Jays 5-2 with a dramatic 11th inning home run into the 200 level here as he's mobbed by his teammates and a sea of blue down on the field. And get ready for the Texas Rangers. That was his homer against Ubaldo Jimenez in the wildcard game in 2016, sending the Blue Jays on to the American League Division Series. In his career in total with the Blue Jays, Encarnacion over eight years hit 239 homers of his career 414. From 2012 until 2016, he never hit less than 34 homers. And Encarnacion in a full season, regardless of where he's played, has not hit less than 30 homers since 2011. Encarnacion is going to be a key cog in Blue Jays fans' memories of the 2015 and 2016 teams. The power numbers alone are why Encarnacion makes this list, and they are certainly hard to argue with. Number seven on the list is one of the more underrated starting pitchers of recent memory, and that's Dave Steeb. Dave Steeb played 15 of his 16 years in the big leagues with the Toronto Blue Jays, with the lone exception being four starts with the White Sox in 1993. He did not play in the majors or the minors from 94 to 97 and then came back as a reliever in 1998 and finished his career with 19 appearances. Steve as a starter was phenomenal. His best season coming in 1985 
when he had a 2.48 ERA and a 14 and 13 record to go along with 265 innings of work. From 1982 until 1985, he pitched over 260 innings every year. He made the All-Star team in 1980, 81, 83, 84, 85, 88, and 90, all of them coming with the Blue Jays. His career-high single-season wins total came in that 1990 season where he went 18-6 with a 2.93 ERA over 208 innings of work. He led the league in innings twice, once in 1982 where he had 288 innings, and again in 1984 where he pitched 267 innings. Steve led all of Major League Baseball in complete games in 1982 with 19. 19 of his 38 starts that season were complete games, and he also pitched a league-high five shutouts. Steve finished with 176 career wins, 175 of them coming with the Blue Jays. The one thing about Steve that's disappointing in retrospect is that he did not have a very big impact on the 1992 Blue Jays, but Steve's seven All-Star appearances are the most for anyone in Blue Jays history. Steve also had six different seasons in which he won at least 16 games, with each of them coming in three-peats. From 82 to 84, he won 17, 17, and 16, and from 88 to 90, he won 16, 17, and 18. With the exceptions of the years 86 and 87, Steve had an ERA under four every year from 1980 until 1991, with him posting an ERA under three in 1984, 1985, and 1990. As the franchise's all-time leader in wins, Dave Steve ranks number six on our list of all-time Blue Jays. And you probably are wondering why he's not higher. Well, there are six other Blue Jays that had an even bigger impact than Dave Steeb did. Number six on the list is the power bat, Jose Bautista. I don't think there's a player in modern times that is as peculiar as Jose Bautista. The big league definition of a journeyman, Bautista played for the Orioles, Rays, Royals, and Pirates from 2004 until 2008, landing with the Blue Jays at the end of 2008. But at the turn of the decade, Bautista's career flipped on its head. Bautista had no homers in his first two years and never hit more than 16 homers from 2006 until 2009. Then in 2010, Bautista exploded. He hit 54 homers and drove in 124 runs in 2010. He only hit 260, but he still had a 378 on-base percentage, made his first All-Star team, and finished fourth in the MVP voting. In 2011, he was phenomenal again. He hit 302 this time, a career high at the time, and had a 447 on-base with a 608 slugging, which led all of Major League Baseball. Bautista smashed 43 homers and drove in 103 runs, leading all of baseball with 132 walks. He made his second All-Star team, won the Silver Slugger again, and finished third in the MVP voting. His numbers came down in 2012, but he only played 92 games, still hitting 27 homers. In only 118 games in 2013, he hit 28 homers and drove in 73 runs. Playing a fully healthy season in 2014, he finished sixth in the MVP voting, with homers back up to 35, runs batted in back up to 103, and his walks over 100 at 104. He hit 286 with a 403 on base percentage and made his fifth consecutive All-Star team and won his third Silver Slugger. In 2015, he was awesome again. He hit 250, but had 40 homers, 114 runs batted in, and led the American League with 110 walks, finishing eighth in the MVP voting. 
His last season in Toronto was in 2018 when he hit just 203, but he made six straight All-Star teams from 2010 to 2015 and never hit less than 20 homers from 2010 until 2017. But Bautista is more than likely going to be known for this big blast against the Rangers in the 2015 ALDS. This audio courtesy of TBS Kenny Albert on the call. That bat flip would spark a mini rivalry between the Rangers and the Blue Jays, one in which Rognet Odor and Bautista got in a fight the very next season. Bautista's career turnaround is one of the more fascinating ones in all of baseball history. In his 10-year career with the Blue Jays, he hit 288 homers, walked 803 times, and had a career batting average of .253, making all of his six All-Star teams in a Toronto uniform. Bautista was one of the most polarizing players of the 2010s, but because of his power surge and because he made such a big impact on the Blue Jays during their playoff runs, Bautista gets a spot on our top 10 list. As we move into the top five, we go to another power bat, but somebody that did not have an impact on the Blue Jays' success as a franchise. That will be Carlos Delgado. Now, fun fact, and I didn't even know this, Delgado played two games as a part of the 93 team that won the World Series. That was his debut year. Delgado played for the Blue Jays from 93 until 2004. He signed with the Marlins in 2005 and then was traded to the Mets in 2006. Delgado's Blue Jays career was tremendous. In 12 years in Toronto, he hit 336 of his 473 career home runs, drove in a career 1,058 RBI, had a 282 batting average with a 392 on-base percentage. Overall in his 17-year career, he hit 473 homers, hit 280 with a 383 lifetime on-base percentage. He burst onto the scene at first in 1997. He hit 30 home runs, drove in 91 runs, hit 262 with a 350 on on-base percentage. He took it to another level in 1998, hitting 292 with a 385 on on-base, 38 homers, and 115 RBIs. He actually got some MVP votes that year. In 99, he hits 44 homers, drives in 134, which was the third most of his career overall, hits 272 with 377 on base percentage, wins his first Silver Slugger award, and finishes 12th in the MVP voting. One of his best seasons, and probably his most productive season, came in 2000. He gets his first All-Star appearance, finishes 4th in the MVP voting, wins his second Silver Slugger. Hits 344 with a 470 on base percentage. Led the American League with 378 total bases. Had an OPS of 1,134. 41 homers, 137 RBI. Led the league with 52 doubles. Then in 2001, comes back, 39 homers, 102 RBI. Hits 279, but his on base is 408. He walked over 100 times in four consecutive years from 2000 to 2003. And that 2003 season was more than likely his best ever. Delgado hit 42 homers, which was too shy of his career high set in 1999, had a career-high 145 RBI, which led all of Major League Baseball, led the American League in OPS, 
at 1,019, hit 302 with a 426 on base percentage. He made his second All-Star team, finished second in the AL MVP voting, and won his third Silver Slugger Award. In 04, he had 32 homers and drove in 99 runs his last season with the Blue Jays. Delgado's 336 homers are a franchise best, and his 1,058 RBI are also a franchise best. Carlos Delgado, the power bat, the on-base machine, and the guy who got the job done. The only reason why he's not higher is that he didn't win. But Delgado put up some impressive numbers in his heyday, and that's why he is number five on our list of all-time Blue Jays. Number four on our list is the late, great Roy Halladay. Halladay was a legend in Toronto. He finished with the second most wins in franchise history behind Dave Steeb at 148 and had the second most strikeouts in franchise history behind Steeb with 1,495. Halladay pitched 12 of his 16 years in the big leagues with the Blue Jays, spending the final four with the Philadelphia Phillies. Halliday's breakout season came in 2002. He made his first All-Star team, going 19-7 with a 2.93 ERA. He led the American League in innings pitched to 239 and gave up the fewest amount of homers per nine innings of anybody in Major League Baseball. 2003, he won his first Cy Young Award, leading all of baseball with 22 wins, had a 3.25 ERA, led all of baseball in innings pitched with 266, led all of baseball in starts and in complete games, 36 starts, 9 complete games, led the AL in shutouts, faced 1,071 batters, which also led all of Major League Baseball and recorded his first 200-plus strikeout season. In 2004, he had some injuries, was limited to 21 starts, but came back in 2005, made his third All-Star team, went 12-4 with a 2.41 ERA, and led the American League with five complete games. He finished third in the Cy Young voting in 2006, going 16-5 over 220 innings of work with a 3.19 ERA. In 2008, he had his second 21 season, going 20-11 with a 2.78 ERA, led the American League with 246 innings pitched, and finished second in the Cy Young voting. Halliday departed the Blue Jays after the 2009 season and had a rip-roaring year with the Phillies in 2010, winning his second Cy Young. He won 21 games, posted a 2.44 ERA, led all of baseball with 250 innings of work. Halliday was a workhorse. He threw over 200 innings in six of his years with the Blue Jays. But sadly, Halliday never saw the fruits of his labor go into any team's success. The Blue Jays never made the playoffs during his time in Toronto, and his first playoff appearance was in 2010 with the Phillies, throwing a no-hitter in his first-ever playoff start. Although it wasn't with the Blue Jays, Halliday also pitched a perfect game that season, retiring all 27 batters he faced against the Miami Marlins on May 29th, 2010. Halliday tragically died in a plane crash in Florida in November of 2017 and was posthumously elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2019. When most people talk about the greatest Blue Jays pitcher of all time, the first thing that comes to mind is Doc Halliday, and that's why he's number four on our list of all-time Toronto Blue Jays. When you talk about a player's impact on the success of a franchise, nobody on this list epitomizes it more than number three, Joe Carter. 
Joe Carter began his career with the Cubs in 1983 and moved on to the Indians in 1984. He came to the Blue Jays before the 1991 season and set Toronto on fire. In each of his first four seasons, he drove in over 100 runs, and in each of his first three seasons in Toronto, he hit over 30 homers. In 1991, his first All-Star season, Joe Carter played in all 162 games, the only player in baseball to do so that year. He hit 33 homers, drove in 108 runs, hit 273 with a 330 on-base percentage. He finished fifth in the MVP voting and won his first Silver Slugger Award. In 92, en route to helping the Blue Jays win the World Series, their first... He hit 34 homers, drove in 119 runs, hit 264, had a 309 on on-base percentage, made the All-Star team again, and finished third in the MVP voting while winning his second Silver Slugger Award. 1993 is the year that he's most known for, though. He tied his career high in RBI with 121, which he previously set with the Indians in 1986. He hit 33 homers, scored 92 runs, and in the World Series, he left the Blue Jays with their most iconic franchise moment. Joe has had his moments. Two balls and two strikes on him. Here's the pitch on the way. A swing and a belt. Left field. Way back. Blue Jays win it. The Blue Jays are World Series champions as Joe Carter hits a three-run home run in the ninth inning. And the Blue Jays have repeated as World Series champions. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. That call from the legendary Tom Cheek is a call heard round the world. Joe Carter left the Blue Jays after the 1997 season, split 1998 between the Orioles and the Giants, and then retired. His Blue Jays career in seven total seasons saw him hit 257, hit 203 of his 396 career home runs, hold an on-base percentage of 308, and compile all five of his All-Star appearances. Joe Carter's World Series moment in itself along with the success he had during the Blue Jays World Series years, is why he's number three on our list of all-time Blue Jays. Number two is somebody that many people probably haven't heard of, but was one of the most impactful offensive players for the Blue Jays in the 80s, and that's George Bell. Born in the Dominican, he made his big league debut with the Blue Jays in 1981, but burst onto the scene in 1984, hitting 26 homers and driving in 87 runs. In 1985, he finished 8th in the MVP voting, won his first Silver Slugger Award, hit 28 homers with 95 RBI, and hit 275 with a 327 on on-base percentage. He took it to another level in 1986, hitting 31 homers, driving in 108 runs, batting 309 with a 349 on on-base percentage. He finished 4th in the MVP and won his second straight Silver Slugger Award. His biggest year ever, though, was 1987, where he won the AL MVP. Bell hit 47 homers, drove in 134 runs, led all of baseball with 369 total bases, hit 308 with a 352 on base percentage, and he made his first All-Star team. I mean, he should have made the All-Star team. He won the MVP, for goodness sakes. Bit of a down year in 1988, hit 24 homers, but still drove in 97 runs, hit 269. Bounced back with a good run production year in 1989. He only hit 18 homers, but still drove in 104 runs, hit 297 with a 330 on base percentage, and finished fourth in the MVP voting. His final year with the Blue Jays was in 1990, where he made the All-Star team for the second time. 
He had 21 homers, drove in 86 runs, hit 265 with a 303 on-base percentage. He left for the Cubs in 1991 and played his final two years with the White Sox in 92 and 93. Bell was the first Blue Jay to ever win an American League MVP award and just the second ever as Josh Donaldson won it in 2015. Bell is a member of the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, and while he's not known to many, that MVP season in itself is why he is as high as he is. Bell hit for average, Bell hit for power, and Bell drove in runs, and that's why he's number two on our list, even if he might not be as high as a lot of other players might be on other people's lists. If you talk about somebody that was productive and won, nobody fits that description more than number one on our list, Roberto Alomar. Joining the Blue Jays in 1991, Alomar was productive from the start. In his first year, he hit 295 in 161 games. Never a power hitter, Alomar hit nine homers, drove in 69 runs, had an on-base of 354, and finished sixth in the MVP voting, making his second All-Star team and winning his first gold glove. In 1992, he took it to another level. He hit 310, had an on-base of 405, 8 homers, 76 RBI, stole 49 bases. Also forgot to tell you, in 91, he stole 53 bases, finished 6th in the MVP voting again, won his first Silver Slugger award, his second gold glove, and made the All-Star team again. In 93... He had a career-high 17 homers at the time, drove in 93 runs, stole 55 bases, hit 326 with a 408 on on-base percentage, finished 6th in MVP voting for the third straight year, and won his third consecutive gold glove. Alomar came to the Blue Jays from the Padres in what was known as the trade, as GM Pat Gillick sent All-Stars Tony Fernandez and Fred McGriff to San Diego for him and Joe Carter. Alomar had lasting contributions in the Blue Jays' World Series runs. He had a two-run game-tying homer in Game 4 of the 1992 ALCS against Oakland A's closer Dennis Eckersley, and in the 1993 World Series, he hit 480 over six games. Roberto Alomar was elected to the Hall of Fame in 2011. Alomar was a career 300 hitter, and he was successful pretty much everywhere that he went. He moved on to the Orioles after the 1995 season, and in Baltimore he hit 328 in his first year in 96, 333 in 97, and 282 in 1998. He made the All-Star team in all of his five years with the Blue Jays, his last two in 94 and 95. In 95, he hit 300 with 13 homers, 66 runs batted in, 30 stolen bases, and won another gold glove. Roberto Alomar from 1991 to 1996 won the gold glove all six times and won a total of 10 gold gloves over the course of his career. In his five years with the Blue Jays, he hit 307 with 55 of his 210 career homers. Roberto Alomar was one of the big reasons why the Blue Jays were as good as they were in 92 and 93. Alomar doesn't have the power numbers of a lot of the guys on this list, but he is the only five-tool player on this list. Somebody that hit for average, hit for power, could drive in runs, steal bases, and also be able to play a slick second base. That is why Roberto Alomar is number one on our list of all-time Toronto Blue Jays. We hope that you enjoyed this latest top ten list, and we encourage you to go back and listen to the rest of our top ten lists. You can find them On the podcast page, just search MLB Morning Coffee into Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll have another top 10 list around the bend. 
But until then, have a great rest of your day. We'll catch you in the AM.